Welcome to Law in the Family, a production of the Pennsylvania Bar Association Family Law Section, providing insights for lawyers about the practice of family law in Pennsylvania. The information shared during this podcast is for general information purposes only. Nothing in this podcast should be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. This information is not intended to create, and receipt or listening does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and the podcast guests, and don't necessarily represent those of the Pennsylvania Bar Association. Welcome to this edition of Law and the Family. Uh, I'm Aaron Weems. With me is Anthony Hoover. And today we're speaking with Dory Green. Dory is an attorney with Hangley, Aronchik, Siegel, Pudlin, and Schiller, uh, a law firm uh, based out of the Philadelphia area. And we have Dory on today to talk about vaccines and legal custody, specifically in relation to her recent article titled, Who Gets to Decide if a Child Can Be Vaccinated? Uh, Dory, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So just by way of a little bit of background, um, I've been practicing family law since 1996. I can't do the math backwards, but over 25 years, I think that is. I handle all kinds of family law cases, divorce, custody, premarital agreements, the gamut of it. And the issue now, this hot topic is vaccination. It's a lot of people are talking about it, especially given the fact that Pfizer just recently announced that their vaccine, the research they've done, is uh, safe and effective for children ages 5 to 11, and they've applied for uh, an emergency use authorization uh, with the FDA, and there's going to be a hearing at the end of the month on that. Thinking that children under 12 vaccination is going to be a hot topic in the next couple of weeks and months with parents who are divorced or separated, and if they can't agree on whether their children should be vaccinated. And Dory, that's a that's a little bit of a departure from I think some of the news coverage that we get on this issue that is really related to some of the vaccine mandates which we hear about in different states and different jurisdictions, and really talking about something that's fundamentally different from that because that issue was settled back in 1905 by the Supreme Court in Jacobson versus Massachusetts. We're really talking about legal custody issues under Pennsylvania law. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about your article and some of the issues and some of the um, some of the concerns that you have encountered as you as you dive into this particular problem? Sure. So in Pennsylvania, typically most parents share legal custody of their children, which means that they both get to decide they should confer and attempt to agree on major decisions affecting their children, one of which is health and would include vaccines and whether to get your child vaccinated. When I wrote the article, um, I sort of pulled off some prior research that I had done just in general about vaccines, not having anything to do with COVID um, and whether or not one parent can force, well, not force, well, can can vac- vaccinate a child without the other parent's consent or whether they need to agree. And there really weren't a lot, there were no cases except one county case out of Berks County uh, where one parent wanted the child to be vaccinated, the other didn't. And it was just the regular childhood immunizations that if you go to a pediatrician, they generally recommend that the child have. And that case is really the main topic of my article and the analysis that, that court went through in deciding that. And what the court sort of looked at was in school, in the school setting, not a custody setting, can the school require a parent to vaccinate their child? 
And there's a statute in Pennsylvania regarding vaccination and sets out sort of the standard or the steps that the court will look at when they will determine whether or not they should direct the parent to get the child vaccinated. The rule generally is the child should be vaccinated unless there's some sort of a, a medical reason or there's a strongly held religious or moral belief against vaccination. So, so in other words, to answer the question, in Pennsylvania child custody courts, do courts have the authority to direct, or in your article, you talked about what the judge did, which I think was a, a legally permissible way to do it. Do the courts have the authority either to grant the authorization to a parent to get a child a vaccination, or I believe what happened, what you discussed in your article, give one parent a single parent the authority to decide. Um, the judge didn't decide whether vaccination was going to happen or not in your article, but the judge gave the authority to one parent. So could you just clarify your understanding? Um, there? Yes, the court does have the authority to make a decision on what is in the best interest of the ch child. And one of those things would be whether or not the child should be vaccinated. And this judge did that in Berks County. And recently, we have a new case that just came out of Chester County a few weeks ago, two weeks ago. It wasn't a custody case per se, but it was a case in orphans court that dealt with two parents who were divorced, whose child was 31 years old, but had guardians. The parents were co-guardians, and those parents couldn't agree on whether their child should be vaccinated, their adult child. And in that case, the court decided that issue. So I think from my perception, I have no statistic to back this up, but I believe that this issue is likely to come up in greater numbers in child custody cases as opposed to orphans court guardianship cases. Would you agree? I, I think so. And because I think the chances of, I mean, look, I don't have the statistics, but I think there's more divorced and separated parents disagreeing over child custody issues, then there may be guardianship issues. Okay. So I think you're going to go into, I mean, we're going to talk about both, but is this standard similar, so to speak? I think so, because the judge um, in the orphan's court, the, the, the standard is what's in the best interest of the child. That's always the standard in our custody cases. And the judge out of Chester County in orphan's court applied the same standard in his opinion. He said, what's in the child's best interest? And while he didn't go through what our custody factors are in Pennsylvania, there's factors that really deal more with, I think, a physical custody arrangement. I don't necessarily think a judge in our courts in custody is going to be going through factors to determine what's in the best interest of the child if you're deciding a vaccination issue. But yes, I think it's what's in the child's best interest, looking at what are the benefits to the child of being vaccinated? Does the child have any special needs or special health risks that would either weigh in favor or against being vaccinated? What are the what's the science behind the vaccinations? Um, we'll I, probably talk about later, but in this Chester County opinion, the judge really dove deeply into the science behind the vaccines and heard from both sides uh, expert witnesses both in favor and against the vaccine. And, and I think this case does draw a nice analogy to the family court case because of the because of the unique facts of it. Um, you did have a child, it, it, granted an, an adult child, but a child who has Down syndrome, has uh, whose population typically have a greater percentage of having congenital heart defects, which is a major issue for folks with Downs, and really looked at the unique 
circumstances and issues of that child, which included living in a sort of semi-independent group home and whether or not that child could become a, a factor with the other members of that population, you know, both in terms of contracting or also possibly being a vector for the disease. So that I felt like the judge, while not going into custody factors per se, really did do a dive into the particular circumstances of that child and really came to the heart of the issue as to what would be in, in that child's best interest. Absolutely. And, and, and Dora, if, I mean, if you wouldn't mind, let's just dive into it. I mean, let's just yeah, dive right into the Chester County really case. The name of the case and the facts of so people that are listening know, you know, what we're talking about. Yeah, go, <laughs> um, go, go ahead. So this case was decided in Chester County, like we said, it's called um, in the matter of ACG. Um, and for, People that may not be family lawyers listening, um, all our cases are like alphabet soup because nobody wants to give the actual real names of the of the child to keep it confidential. So it's um, ACG, and it was decided October 5th of this year by uh, Judge Mark Tunnell. And in this case, the child, who's 31 years old, had Down syndrome and was living in a semi-type group home in Chester County. The child's parents, who were divorced, were named as co-guardians of both the person and the estate of their daughter. And the father uh, was in favor of having the child vaccinated, and the mother was against having it vaccinated. It does discuss that the parties tried to, you know, come to an agreement. The mother gave the father all sorts of literature about why she believed the child shouldn't be vaccinated, but even after reviewing all that, the father had a strong belief and uh, wanted the child vaccinated. So since the parties couldn't agree, the father filed a petition to vaccinate. And there was a three-day hearing um, in front of the judge in Chester County on this issue. Now, Dory, let, three, three days. Three days. Now, let, let, let me just ask you, <laughs> is, is it standard in, in at least your experience for the courts of trial courts of Pennsylvania to give three days to have the ability, not maybe they want to, but of course having the ability of three days to any party on a what is otherwise a special relief issue. I mean, you said we're not even looking at all the factors here. I think it's unusual, but not out of the realm of possibilities. I think it depends on how many witnesses they're going to be, testimony is going to be. I think that I'm assuming maybe they had to exchange their witness list before our pretrial statement. And when they saw that, I think, you know, mom had two uh, doctors testify. I think dad had three or four, um, one of whom was a, let's see, it was a, some sort of a special, it was an infectious disease expert from Virginia, I believe. So, you know, who knows, he might have testified by Zoom and not in person. But yeah, there were a lot of witnesses. I think the information was probably somewhat complex, um, expert testimony with reports, um, exhibits. So that can take time. So the fact that the judge set aside three days, maybe he set aside more and it took lesser. Maybe he set aside one and it wound up going over. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> So yeah, and and just I mean, if you could just quick highlight, what did the experts say, and and what were they talking about, you know, during this trial? So first, the child's primary care physician testified about the child's um, health that she had um, a heart defect that had been repaired. She was at increased risk for congestive heart failure 
Um, she just explained what other increased risk this particular child had because of her uh, Down syndrome status and other, you know, other health issues that she might have, and that uh, what the benefits would be for her to be vaccinated. Dad also proffered the testimony of a cardiologist and a neurologist. And then finally, he uh, proffered the testimony of this infectious disease expert that basically um, talked about the increased risk of someone who has Down syndrome for contracting COVID and, and having negative outcomes from it. And he testified to a study out of the United Kingdom that found that individuals with Down syndrome had a fourfold greater risk of being hospitalized and a tenfold greater risk of death from COVID-19 compared to other similarly situated people that did not have Down syndrome. He also anticipated some of the arguments that the mother, he believed, was going to be making, that she would have treated COVID if her daughter contracted COVID with supplements and holistic medicine and drugs, including remdesivir, I'm probably not saying it properly, and inver mectin, which is the drug that we're reading a lot about that people are taking, although it's really only supposed to be used um, in cattle for like treating worms. So that was really dad's case. You know, he had these four different experts coming in, um, testifying to what the benefits of the vaccine were for this child, these child's increased health risks, and that the benefits really outweighed the burdens of the vaccine. Then mom proffered the testimony of two doctors who were actually husband and wife that were both employed by um, something called Salus Integrative Health out of Newtown, Pennsylvania. I think, as I recall, there were they had proffered reports, but they were basically given to the dad and his counsel a day before the hearing. So their reports weren't admitted into evidence um, and the court did not rely on them. The husband of the husband-wife team really didn't seem to have the expertise in the issues the court was interested in. Um, he seemed to be a jack of all trades, but an expert at none based, I think, on his CV and the testimony that was elicited at trial. So it was pretty evident from the opinion that the judge did really discounted his testimony and opinion. Well, I, and yeah, and I think just as, I mean, just Dory, in, in your experience, I mean, this issue aside, I, I mean, your experience, you know, when you're getting expert reports done, you know, and you're going through a three-day trial, just the importance of getting the reports done in a timely fashion, submitted to the other side in advance in a timely fashion, important, not important, what do you, what do you Critical. say? Critical, <laughs> critically important. Any case management order or order I've seen and uh, requires you, usually there's a deadline by which you have to submit your uh, expert witness reports to give the other side time to digest them and to rebut them. And maybe if they have their own experts to give them to their experts so their experts can review them and be prepared to address them at the time of trial. Giving them the night before a, a three-day hearing is not acceptable and it, it was not not surprising that they were not allowed to be admitted. 
Though it is interesting that their testimony was permitted, but the report was not. So, I mean, so Judge Tunnell was still willing to have them heard. And I, and I actually feel that that was probably appropriate in order you know, for the purposes of the record to allow that to happen. But you're right, particularly in Chester County, where many of us practice, that we know that there are case management orders. And I know that in Orphan's Court, Judge Tunnell certainly has a process for pretrial. And uh, a day before is just not going to be acceptable on an expert report. And I think you're right, Aaron. I think that the judge was wise to allow these two doctors for mom to testify to create the record so that it looks and he did he still gave mom her day in court he you know allowed her to bring in her testimony with her position so that he could write this well-reasoned opinion and you know it shows that he did consider all sides and he did take all the evidence and even after listening to everything came to the decision that he did. And with respect to the decision, was this a referendum, so to speak, of just focusing on large policy issues and and research or was it more specific or a little bit of both? I mean, what what did you see here? Um, I think he took the science, really relied on the science, but he applied it to this particular situation of this particular 31-year-old woman and what her circumstances were and what was really best for her, given all the information that he had before him. So while I think this opinion and this information will really be useful to other judges and practitioners going forward, I don't think it's necessarily limited to this individual. I think we'll be able to apply the analysis to future cases. And just we might as well get to the answer here. I, I We've been talking about this case. <laughs> the judge decided what? I mean, in, in this he decided case. that the child should be vaccinated after, you know, reviewing all the testimony, the science. He clearly believed that it weighed in favor of having her vaccinated. It would be in her best interest because of her health, her condition, having Down syndrome, her being at increased risk, her living in a social situation where she not only could expose other people and other people that she's living with to COVID, but also get it herself and expose others. And given that her increased risk, it was the judge believed that it was in her best interest for her to be vaccinated. I'm going to ask a question here, Aaron and and Dory. um, Have either of you looked up whether this opinion has been appealed? It's an October 5th order. So that gives us till November 4th as to whether it will be appealed. So I guess time will tell. Yeah. Although the question is, if I was dad, wouldn't you be running out the next day and getting your child vaccinated? And they're they're already vaccinated. Is it moot now? Um, Is there really any issue other than the the broader issue for every all of us going forward. Right. So in this opinion, in, in the Chester County opinion that we just talked about, the judge actually decided, yes, this adult child will be vaccinated. In your article, the judge took a little bit of a different approach. And again, it didn't review vaccinations for COVID-19. It reviewed a different vaccination. If you wouldn't mind explaining that. That's right. Sure. So in the case I was talking about out of Berks County, dealing with just with childhood vaccines, in that case, the judge did not direct that the child be vaccinated. What the judge did was he granted father sole legal custody to make that decision and to take the child to be vaccinated if he wanted to, even without mom's consent. On that, just that particular issue, he granted the father sole legal custody with respect to the vaccinations. Now, I don't know if the judge in that case didn't feel comfortable directing 
ordering a child to be vaccinated, and he felt more comfortable uh, turning that power over to one of the parents. He didn't just transfer legal custody to dad on all issues. It was just that one discrete issue of whether the child should be vaccinated. And I guess you've seen, have you seen that in other child custody cases? I have. I have in my travels over the years. I have seen judges do that for specific issues. Sometimes if one parent isn't really involved or if the judge doesn't feel like the parent's making the right decisions with respect to health care for the child, doesn't get back to one parent, if there's things that are constantly coming up. But it has to be building for a while, I, I think, for a court to take that that ability for one of the parents to be involved in that decision making. And usually so, when I have seen it, it's been on health issues. Yeah. So so in other words, that's not necessarily a common practice for a court to jump to that right away to give a narrow or silo issue of a legal custody determination to one parent. I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. Aaron, any anything else well, from your end? Yeah, no, it just sounds like sounds like in a way, if you if you strip away the the controversy, the concerns about the pandemic, you know, all the trappings of what we're going through over the past, you know, year and a half, almost two years. In the end, this is a legal custody medical issue that will probably be looked at on its individual merits. You know, and 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 frankly, I'm not, I don't know that I'd be surprised if this gets appealed by either side, only because we don't see a lot of we don't see a lot of appeals um, in in some respects on some of these issues as it is in family court, um, whether whether there's an appeal on over this, um, you know, in this particular situation, like I said, we have a couple of weeks still, I guess when, in, in a way, when you just strip it all down, we're just back to a legal custody issue. Which, I mean, I think we'd all agree the courts have by statute in Pennsylvania, the authority, and I know this court even, you know, used some additional authority outside the, the custody act to make its decision and other types of requirements for vaccinations. But I, I think it's broad. The court's ability to enter rulings, what the court determines to be in the best interest of a child is fairly broad. I mean, in fact, I'm trying to think of an opinion where a judge says, "I well, I don't have the authority to assist here and, and help this child, right? I think that's right. I mean, right. I've seen things is, you know, <laughs> I don't want to put this on the same level. It's not, but whether you should get your child's ears pierced, you know, courts, are, sometimes judges are deciding those kinds of issues. This is so much more important, in my opinion, others probably, but yeah, I think you're right. I think the court has jurisdiction to decide this. And I think once we, that ages uh, two to 11, we get the green light. I think we're going to see a lot more of this disagreements. All right. Well, well, Dory, thank you for joining us here today. It was a pleasure having you do the research really for us and for a lot of our listeners just on, on this topic. Very helpful. So thank you. Thanks um, for having me. Thanks for joining us. Law and the Family is a production of the Pennsylvania Bar Association Family Law Section. To learn more or to join the section, visit the Pennsylvania Bar Association website at pabar.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And to catch up on every episode, join us at anchor.fm slash law in the family. A reminder that nothing in this podcast should be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. This information is not intended to create an attorney-client relationship. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and the guests and don't necessarily represent those of the Pennsylvania Bar Association. Thanks for listening and tune in for future podcasts.